Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Starting in 2020, Colorado's employers will face a new landscape regarding how to pay their hourly and salaried employees. For example, on January 1st, Denver will become the first Colorado city to raise its local minimum wage independent from the state's minimum. But that's not the only big change ahead for the state's wage standards. Tune in as shareholders Sarah Mercer and Martine Wells, along with associate Craig Finger, discuss what will be increasingly stark contrast between the federal and Colorado wage requirements, how cities are expected to respond to some of these changes, and most importantly, why the proposed replacement to the Colorado minimum wage order will mean big changes for Colorado's employers. Hey, Martine. Hey, Craig. It's really nice to have you guys here. Today, we're going to be talking about minimum wage. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. So since the November 2018 election, uh, where we saw a change in our legislature, the state Senate, the Democrats took control from the Republicans and thus took control of the entire legislative branch. And then, of course, with the election of Governor Polis, as governor, we have seen a lot of movement on minimum wage, including from a state legislative perspective. We saw House Bill 19-1210, which removed the longstanding prohibition on local communities setting their own minimum wage, which we've seen now Denver has taken advantage of and will be increasing their minimum wage uh, in sort of a three-tiered phase all the way through 2022. But Perhaps most interestingly, what we're now seeing is a total restructuring of what's called the minimum wage order, which is something that most of our listeners may not know about. My thought when I first learned about the minimum wage order was that it was what the state issues every year to say what the minimum wage is. But after talking with both of you, I now know that it's a lot more than that. So Craig, maybe you can start us off by talking to us a little bit about like what is the minimum wage order? Yeah, so you're right. The minimum wage order does set the minimum wage on an annual basis every year, but it does a lot more than that. Um, it also provides regulations for a variety of, no- of other employment rules and standards. It provides uh, regulations about overtime. Um, it sets meal breaks and rest break requirements. Um, it provides exemptions for certain types of employees. It also uh, provides definitions for certain terms, such as what is working time, what are, what are tipped employees. Um, so it does a lot for employers in terms of what they need to do to comply with the law. And it also sounds like from an employee perspective, it kind of structures their day a little bit, like you said, with rest breaks, meal breaks. When are they on working time? When are they not? When are they on the clock? When are they not? When are they on regular time for pay? When are they on overtime? And importantly, everything we're talking about with the wage order, the wage order primarily regulates hourly workers or what's known as non-exempt workers days in Colorado. So any hourly worker working in Colorado who falls under the definition of an employee in the wage order is subject to the wage order, and any employer that falls under the wage order um, has to comply with treating their hourly workers um, in the ways that are dictated by the order. So... Um, we're seeing a lot of changes. Yes. Yeah, so um, before we talk about the changes and maybe why those changes are happening, Craig, can you tell us a little bit about what the wage order, like how, how it works and how it's been structured up to this point? Yeah. So the wage order, it's promulgated by the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment. It's an, it's an agency rule. It is pursuant to a variety of statutes and 
authority vested by those statutes to the agency has pretty much been the same for over 20 years. The, the current version of the minimum wage order has been the same since 1998. And even prior to that, a lot of the provisions have remained the same. The, the history of it really was directed towards sort of low-skilled in certain industries, you know, for example, janitorial industries or health and medical industries. Um, it was directed at sort of low-wage workers that were paid on the hourly basis in order to sort of make sure the standards of the, of the workplace were decent. And so why are things changing? Well, um, there has been, you know, to Craig's point, the the order before was f- focused on low-wage workers in certain industries, and that's been the case for many, many years now. Um, and that came about in response to sort of certain states' um, reactions to policies at the federal level, um, which in some cases over the years have been viewed as not protective enough. So at the federal level, we've got the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act that also regulates hours of work and minimum wages for hourly workers. But the federal minimum wage has been $7.25 per hour for many years now, and many states, including Colorado, have viewed, for example, that that is too low of a wage. And so I think that was one of the basic premises of the Colorado wage order over the years. So Um, states can be more restrictive than the federal government. Or more protective. More protective. Yes, exactly. And Colorado long has been. And so is this change that's happening to the minimum wage order even more protective than the regime we're currently under? Yes. As Craig mentioned, um, the current wage order has been focused on four specific industries known as retail and service, health and medical, Food and, beverage food and beverage and commercial support services. Yep. And there's been a significant amount of litigation over what what types of employers fall into those industries, what constitutes a covered industry or not. And so that is one of the biggest, um, that is probably the biggest change coming out of this wage order is now uh, the new Colorado wage order, if it's passed as it's been introduced, is going to cover virtually all employers in Colorado, except for states and um, political subdivisions and municipalities. And Craig, I know that you spoke with the director of the division. Did you get any insight from him as to why they're looking at this now? Uh, yeah, when I talked to Scott Moss, um, as I mentioned, the uh, current version of the wage order has been the same since 1998. And there have been a lot of a lot of confusion, as Martine mentioned, with regard to what certain things mean. And Scott Moss indicated that instead of an approach where we have these four vague industries and everyone fighting about are we covered by this wage order or not, they sort of ch- changed the approach to first cover everyone and then we'll start carving out explicit exemptions for certain types of employers who sort of the hourly workday and the the minimum wage uh, rules don't really fit with that particular employer. So they wanted to really overhaul the the confusion that has existed in the prior order. And one way that they have decided to do that is completely rescind all prior guidance from the from the previous order. They did that earlier this year in June. Um, there were a number of guidance letters and there were published advisory bulletins from the Department of Labor with regard to the prior order, which um, after a thorough review, Scott Moss indicated that they just either didn't make sense anymore or were actually in some instances beyond the agency's authority. So they really just needed to completely revamp and sort of try to start fresh with with a whole new order. Really does seem like they're starting with a, a blank slate here. 
So what are you seeing uh, in this new draft that's out? It's interesting you reference a blank slate because when it first came out from just looking at the plain paper, the order looks very different. But it's been very interesting to go through line by line and see what has stayed the same, what is wildly different, and um, what is a minor change. Um, In terms of wildly different, the two big things that we're seeing is, number one, the expansion of industry coverage. Now, again, virtually all Colorado employers except for states and municipalities will be covered by the wage order, which should sort of do away with the significant confusion and litigation around whether an employer uh, falls within a covered industry or not. So that's number one. And um, if we had to predict, it seems that that will sort of go through as drafted. The second big thing we're seeing, um, consistent with the minimum wage increases that Sarah mentioned that we're seeing in Denver, that will take the Denver minimum wage to over $15 an hour by 2022, is that the state of Colorado, through this proposed order, has indicated it's prioritizing increasing the salary requirement for an employee to be a salaried employee. And what that means is that uh, in order to fall outside the purview of the wage order, an employee needs to, number one, uh, perform certain duties. That's known as the duties test. And number two, they need to be paid a, a certain salary. Currently, at the federal level, that salary is about $26,000, and that is set to change in January to about $32,000. In the Colorado minimum wage order, and this would be effective summer 2020 if it passes, Colorado is saying that in order for a worker to be salaried and not have to be paid overtime or get meal breaks or any of those other sort of working conditions, they need to be paid starting in July 2020 over $42,000 a year. And they're looking to increase that by 2026 to $57,000 per year. That's quite a difference. Do you anticipate that that is going to capture a lot more workers under the minimum wage order? Yes. And so what employers, you know, if this passes as drafted, what employers are going to have to do is for any employees that they have that are currently classified as salaried, do not get overtime and meal periods and earn less than $42,000 a year, the employer is going to have to review and conduct an audit and decide, okay, on a go-forward basis, um, is this individual appropriately classified as salaried based on their duties such that we need to increase their wages, or um, are they more appropriately classified as an hourly worker such that we need to pay them on an hourly basis and ensure that they get meal periods and rest periods and punch a clock and all of those things. So it it is going to be a sea change um, in Colorado as compared to the current requirements. Are you seeing any other changes? And uh, if not, I also want to want you to maybe highlight what's staying the same that you noticed as well. So those two things. So a couple other things that have stood out to me. Number one, um, the definition of who is an employer. So what's interesting in the new wage order is we're seeing certain areas that stayed the same, certain areas that align with the federal standards, and certain areas where Colorado is carving its own path. The definition of employer now aligns with the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act. In contrast, the definition of employee now aligns with the statutory definition that was revised pursuant to a House bill um, last year. And what stands out about that to me is that 
that it seems that this is the first opportunity where the agency is indicating that it may wade into the territory of um, independent contractor classification and perhaps broadening the independent contractor prohibitions like we're seeing in California and New Jersey. Now, to be clear, that's not explicitly addressed in the wage order, but by virtue of the definition of employee and how broad that definition is, I do think that's something we're going to see. One other change uh, in the proposed minimum wage order that's going to be new is a posting requirement requiring that any employer that provides an employee handbook has to post a copy of the fact sheet or the minimum wage order itself. Um, And so that's just going to be a new sort of uh, paperwork requirement for employers to be aware of in 2020. So in terms of changes that we see is, to Craig's point earlier, um, the agency did rescind all prior advisory guidance. There is no new advisory guidance, but to Craig's point, there are significant clarifications around longstanding issues that have befuddled employers and employees alike. One of those issues is um, that employees, in, hourly employees in Colorado are entitled to a rest period for every four hours of work, and there's been a lot of questions around um, what constitutes a rest period, when a rest period should occur, and the remedy for an employee if the employee does not achieve their rest period. Uh, This is, I would say, one of, from our perspective, representing employers, this is one of the more controversial aspects of the new wage order in that not controversial, it requires the rest period to occur in the middle of those four hours. That's fine. But what is controversial is that the proposed wage order as drafted indicates that if an employee does not achieve the 10 minutes of rest time for already paid time, that the employee then must be paid for that time in addition. Um, And that, we predict, is something that is going to uh, be cause for a lot of conversation during the notice and comment process. So what are the next steps? You mentioned the notice and comment process. Can you walk us through a little bit about what that process looks like and what are the deadlines that we're looking at for implementation with this new minimum wage order? Sure. So the the notice and comment period is open until December 31st. Um, There'll be a hearing on the 16th of December and the CDLE intends to adopt the final version of the rule January 10th with an effective date of March 1st. The, The notice and comment period when I spoke with the executive director, Scott Moss, he indicated will be pivotal in sort of the final version of, of the rule. Um, as I mentioned, you know, the, the approach so far has been sort of reactive in that they need to clean up a lot of the past issues that have existed in the, in the last 20 years of the, of the wage order. And that was what they've done with this proposed rule. Now what they really want to do is hear from interested parties, hear from employers and employees, and um, get their comments on on the the proposed rule and figure out how that might affect their industry, their business, and if any additional exemptions are are warranted, if there's any clarifications to the rule. So uh, this notice and comment period for any interested party will definitely shape the final rule from what we've been told. And you know, to that approach, it actually extends beyond the date of the hearing so that people can attend the hearing, listen, and then also provide comments, which the division intends to take into account. Right. Well, thank you both for being here today and for talking about this. Our huge changes, uh, and we're really excited to have you here to explain them to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. 
If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.